Hey, everybody. It is because of our loyal and generous Patreon and PayPal supporters that episodes like this, bonus content like this, can be done. So if you would like to join the ranks of our Patreon and PayPal family, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. Another very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the woman who is almost done with all of her grad school and busy work. Also the lady with whom I'm for whom I'm running out of things to say <laughs> after 300 episodes. The lovely and talented and scholarly Brittany Page. Didn't someone send you like recommendations on things to say about me? Yeah, I don't fucking listen to what people recommend. Yeah, but someone sent recommendations. It was like elegant. What else was it? It was so it was great. Elegant. Yeah. I don't think elegant really fits Brittany Page. I'm extremely elegant. <laughs> I'm elegant as shit. Right, <laughs> I don't right. know. <laughs> well, listen, speaking of elegant, uh, there's a movement out there that we've talked about many, many times on the show and voiced our ardent opposition to, and that is the alt-right. That was not a transition at all. That was a terrible, terrible segue, but we're going to go with it. And among some of the people who are in the alt-right are, one, a guy I've talked about a lot, I've done some videos on, Richard Spencer, who actually coined the term alt-right. Alt-right is this new way, this watered-down bullshit way of explaining neo-Nazis, of describing white supremacists and white nationalists. They call themselves white identitarians or some shit like that. Well, the day that Brittany and I were at the tax march in Los Angeles, there was something going on up at Berkeley. You may have seen this on the news. A young woman by the name of Louise Rosalma was punched in her face by a little inferiority complex having douche, former Marine, I'm sad to say. His name is Nathan Damago, I think is how you say it. Well, it doesn't matter how you say it. Fuck that guy. Anyway, she got punched in the face by this guy, and she is joining us on the phone via Skype. Louise, how are you? How's your face? And thank you for joining us on the program. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. My my face is doing pretty pretty good. Healed so, up nicely. <laughs> so so that day that this went on, um, was this part of the the overall tax march, or was this a separate thing that was going on up there in Berkeley? This was a very separate thing. Um, basically, what the alt right decided to do was have a quote unquote Patriots Day rally um, to honor quote-unquote, free speech, a.k.a. they were disguising this uh, provocatory uh, kind of posturing of their movement um, under the guise of free speech to kind of pick a fight and try to agitate in a place that wasn't theirs. Um, So we had a lot of uh, Antifa show up to kind of counter protest that 
Now, some of our audience may not know exactly what Antifa is. I believe it's because I'm I'm not a member. I'm not associated. But isn't it? It's anti-fascist action. Isn't that what it stands for? Yes. Yeah. And, and you're uh, and I know it's kind of an anarchist type of thing. So there's probably not a strict uh, organizational flow chart you could follow. But are you? Is there like membership? And you're a member? Is that how it is? Um, there's not necessarily membership. Really, anybody can claim and participate in Antifa. Um, so there's not really any, like, you don't get a little membership card <laughs> that you show up with. <laughs> um, you are Antifa based on your principles and your actions based on those principles of anti-capitalism and uh, anti-white supremacy. And so what actions or principles specifically, in addition to that, would include someone in that in that group? Um, well, anybody, like, there's a lot of communists, there's a lot of anarchists, um, anybody can join, um, but it usually, um, it consists mostly of people who believe in the de-establishment of capitalism, uh, decentralized government, no government, um, and do not like the alt-right yeah. and anything that they stand for. It's basically the opposite of the alt-right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so it, certainly a decidedly leftist movement. Yes, a very, a very leftist movement, yeah. So I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have seen the footage and, and certainly the photographs of you being punched in the face by this little wormy douche. <laughs> Do you know how to say his name? Um, it's. I'm pretty sure it's Nathan Domingo. Domingo. D'Amigo. Right. D'Amigo, yeah. yeah. I don't think okay. there's an end in there, actually. <laughs> just Nathan D'Amigo. So so everybody's seen the photos, and if you haven't, just Google it. Um, walk us through exactly what happened from your perspective. So basically what happened, um, someone threw a smoke bomb in that went off in basically what looks like to me the middle of the, the face-off of the alt-right and Antifa. And when the smoke bomb went off, there was this giant cloud that just blew up and it got blown by the wind into the face of Antifa. So there was this moment of confusion and the alt-right used that as an opportunity to just charge and they just started attacking people. Um... I am someone who goes to these events to yell and scream and take pictures. I I don't know how to fight, so my instincts are to flee. Um, so I started running, and I got separated from my friends and from my partner. And um, as I was trying to follow him, I, I actually don't remember uh, getting punched the first time. But I was punched by Nathan once and he pushed me over. And I don't remember this part at all. Um, I've tried really hard to remember, but I'm, I guess I kind of have to blame uh, the concussion for that. But sure, sure. He punched, he punched me once. I ran. Um, and he actually followed and pushed through the crowd to, to get back to me and punch me again. Um, but after that, I was 
beaten by at least three other people, um, one of which grabbed me by the shoulders while I was on the ground and kneed me in the forehead multiple times. Um, but that crowd dispersed pretty quickly. Um, as quick as it happened, it disappeared kind of thing. And that's when I finally got up and was able to to reunite with my partner and find my friends and find a, a medic. <laughs> and so were there police at this time? No, I I did not see police anywhere, actually, until later in, in the day um, when the alt-right crowd had kind of dispersed and it was mostly Antifa. That's when the cops showed up. Um, we had heard that there was supposed to be this huge presence of police, but it kind of seemed like they just blocked the streets off and put the whole crowd in a bubble and just said, all right, have at it. Yikes. And- <laughs> no, was this was this on the Berkeley campus? No, this was not on the Berkeley campus. This was um, in, I'm not exactly sure in what proximity to um, the original like starter point of the whole rally was. Um, I know it was, it started at the MLK Civic Center Park, mm-hmm. I think it was. Um, but when I had arrived, it was in in the streets. I don't really know exactly where it was because I'm I'm not familiar with the area too much. But um, yeah, it was it was mostly just in like two intersections that most of the action was happening. And so, when these events typically go on with um, Antifa, is are people expecting violence at these events, or is this not something that typically happens? You know, it's it's usually pretty easy to tell when there's going to be violence because just the way that this Patriots Day rally was was promoted was that they wanted to go to the belly of the beast and show them that the outright is here and powerful and these people were being organized by the Proud Boys. They were having uh, motorcycle gangs from up north come down. Um, literal neo-Nazis were organizing this. <laughs> yeah, sure. So it, it, was, it's, it was very easy to tell that there was going to be violence. Um, but, you know, you always go into these things kind of hoping for the best and expecting for the worst to happen. Um, but yeah, this, this wasn't just your usual, uh, Trump supporter rally of just a bunch of working class people in red hats. Like these were literal neo-Nazis with knives. Um, well, we know, I I mean, I know a little bit about the background of this, Nathan, um, despite the fact that I don't know his stupid last name. Um, he is, he is a neo-Nazi. He is a, he is, they, 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 they pine for, uh, ethnic, what they call peaceful ethnic cleansing, even though I don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. They are absolutely what I would consider a modern day Nazi. Um, yeah, he's self-proclaimed, um, he's, he's been on record for talking about ethnic cleansing and all that fun stuff. So my question is. Um, because this was a, a an organized event on their part, and Antifa 
um, you guys made a road trip up there. Isn't that how it worked? So it wasn't like a that the the two demonstrations just coincided. One was going to counter the other. Isn't that how it worked? Uh, yeah. Mm, there wasn't really so much organization, like an organized rally against it. It was kind of just a, hey, this is going on. We need to show up. And I think I, I think the original plan was that there was just going to be like a cookout or something to just annoy them and disrupt them. But of course, things... Um, got agitated but my my group of friends were from like the los angeles area and we heard about this and we decided to road trip up there for the day to participate so it sounds like you were just going to have a a presence there but you weren't planning on actually doing anything and i think a lot of times when people hear uh, antifa they think of people with black bandanas covering their faces and basically ready for shit to go down at, at least that's how i've seen it uh painted so is that an atypical yeah. representation or um i think it's a pretty accurate representation i mean the reason why antifa covers our face um i feel i'm a pretty good example of why it's absolutely vital that antifa covers our faces because there are facebook pages and campaigns and um, lots of people on like 4chan and Reddit who are actively trying to dox and identify um, Antifa to basically spread their information around, spread their family's information around. And that's wh exactly what happened to me because I wasn't masked up. Um, my, my address was found, my mom's address, uh, my dad's emails, phone numbers, my, my grandmother's information. Um, God even damn. My yeah, they, they went hard and found, tried to find as many of my family members as possible to spread their information around. Um, and they, they do all of this with complete malicious intent. Um, so that, that is why, um, Antifa wears masks because it's the same reason that Batman wears a mask because <laughs> there are some pretty sick jokers out there who we have to protect ourselves from. Um, but yeah, usually when there is, uh, masked black blockers present, it's usually because people know that the other side is trying to provoke violence. I mean, that in the end, that's what the Patriots rally was for. Sure. They were trying to agitate. They were trying to get people angry and kind of bait the left into being oh look how violent they are oh my gosh they they kicked a trash can over oh my gosh yeah yeah um kind of thing just to paint us as the violent snowflakes um <laughs> that, well which is a contradiction in terms snowflakes are delicate little fucking snowflakes they're not violent usurpers yeah it it's i've noticed that the alt right never has a coherent consistent yeah. argument for absolutely anything so. well, let me let me ask you this louise i, I want to give you a chance to kind of push back on this because there are photos out there all over the place that people have put you know arrows pointing to the giant magnum wine bottle you had in your hand um, right yeah what do you what would you say to that um so i don't remember having a a, a bottle in my hand um 
and I, I have kind of pieced together that I might have. I, I really don't remember half of that incident. I don't remember getting punched in the face the first time. Um, I really only remember getting punched the second time that the one that has become a meme and getting hit in the head a bunch of times. Um, but I, after a lot of researching and people, um, like Snopes and, uh, Mother Jones, they kind of said, well, hey, here's, here's this evidence. It's slowed down. Uh, we talked to the router's photographer that it's not photoshopped and, I, I honestly, I don't remember having the bottle, so, and if it's not photoshopped, then I, I guess so, but I know for a fact I, I didn't have any fireworks. I wasn't attacking anybody with the bottle. Sure. It well, was, but but you, can, you can say definitively you didn't go there with the bottle. You may have uh, commandeered the bottle at some point, but you didn't go there with it? Because when your memory oh, is, when your memory's intact, when you're going there for the, for the, I guess the fuck you cookout. <laughs> you you, right. di- you didn't have it then. <laughs> no, we actually were completely unarmed walking into that because we had been told that there were police who were going through the crowd and arresting people who had sticks, flags, bottles, uh, pepper spray, anything. So we we were like, well, shit, we're just gonna leave all of our stuff in the car. And the only thing that I went to shoot with was a camera. Hmm. Um, but I I do remember uh, when we did arrive, there was a burning like pile of trash that people were trying to put out. And um, I, I do remember this girl coming, because I was standing on the curb. She had taken the bottle and put it on the curb. And... I have a feeling I, I must have picked it up when the fight started because I was like, oh shit, I'm unarmed. I'm about to get my ass beat. I need to protect myself kind of thing. Right. Um, but I honestly didn't have any intent on trying to fight anyone because I am 97 pounds-ish. I'm five foot one. I have no idea how to fight. I was trying to get the hell out of there. And I, I honestly don't remember having it in my hand whatsoever, but I know for a fact that the whole, oh, he punched her because she was setting off uh, explosives and putting stuff in the bottles and attacking people with it. it. It's like there's so many different narratives trying to justify Nathan punching me yeah that it, it it's again it's just a bunch of these inconsistent narratives that they're trying to make to basically victimize Nathan of course <laughs> and, and justify his actions and make me the bad guy so what what do you think you've learned from this experience I have definitely realized how ill-prepared I was um for for that situation because I didn't really know what to expect walking in there. I kind of had the feeling that there was going to be violence, but I didn't expect myself to engage and be in the middle of it, let alone get turned into a viral meme after all of it. Um, (laughs) So if given the chance, if tomorrow you had the chance to do it all over again, what would, what would you do? Um, I, 
Or I even would... even if you're giving advice for someone who's going to go right. to one of these asshole events, um, what would you have them? What would you tell them? What would what advice would you have for them? I would tell them that they need to get with their friends, get with their crew, um, talk about organizational military tactics for the street of whether if you're going to be on the defensive or if you're going to be protecting people, um, come up with a plan, come up with protocols of different situations that are going to be happening. Go prepared to defend yourself because these people have the intent to kill. They want to kill people of color. They want to kill queers. That's what the whole ethnic cleansing is about. They don't care if you're a five foot one, barely a hundred pounds person. They want to see your skull bashed open. Um, and they're not going to be nice about it. So you have to go willing and prepared to get hit. You got to be prepared for those intense situations. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of figure out what sort of role you are capable of fulfilling. If you're better at, if you if you can fight, if you can defend yourself, go and stand with the people of color who are in the front lines to protect them if someone tries to attack them. Or if you're someone like me who isn't really capable of doing that right now, kind of lay back, maybe talk to people, document everything that you can. Um, but people really need to be a lot more prepared because I think there's this misconception that these people are just, you know, they're, they're baby boomer Trump supporters who have like their, their full-time job and they're just out there just supporting Trump. It's not like that. These people are preaching for genocide they are rape apologists they they want to see most of the population gone how would you um, how would you respond to this let me let me ask you because i'm when the first richard spencer on inauguration day thing happened i was i'm i was behind it and i've kind of my position on the entire free speech violence i'm i'm in a, a position of i'm evolving on it and I think I think there is some credibility to the argument that by by taking part in this and countering and what having happened what happened to you that it does to a certain degree and I don't know to what degree because I'm still coming around on it but this Nathan Dickface has been put in a position of being looked at as a martyr as being looked at as the victim and if that's the case then was the presence of Antifa and you guys was it really, what good did it serve if only to have him look like the, the guy who is the victim here? Yeah, I, I have no idea, honestly. I, I mean, none of this is really actually about free speech in the end. No, um, I, don't, I don't believe it is, no. Um, but <laughs> I think one of, one of the huge things about this is um, they're just trying to demonize the other side as much as possible because they want to have free speech. I totally agree that everybody has the right to free speech, but with the right to free speech comes the responsibility of accepting the consequences of your words. If you're going to show up in the streets um, as a neo-Nazi chanting for genocide, you can't just expect people to be like, oh, I'm just going to respect your opinion. 
Um, no, you, you can't just do that. Um, opinions are f- for things like, I like black coffee versus tea. Um, these oh, people that's, are, that's hearsay. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a difference between having opinions about uh, very inane things versus whether or not someone gets to have rights. Um, so when someone's having their platform and they're, they're practicing free speech to go out and chant about genocide and stuff like that, and they expect to not get a reaction, um, that's just, that's just silly. They don't want to face the consequences of their words. And they have this, in almost every instance, a double standard. These people showed up in legit riot gear, but then we're, we're the violent ones instigating things because we're wearing handkerchiefs over our faces. You know, it's... It sounds like Antifa is wanting to deplatform these people. So since this happened and, and the event didn't go well, is there a new policy in place on how to handle these events in the future in terms of how to proceed with the goal of deplatforming neo Nazis? Yeah, I mean, that's really the whole purpose of showing up and shouting them out and basically pushing them out of the street with whatever means necessary. These people have very violent opinions and goals. And they, although they have the right to free speech, we have the right to deplatform them. Um, and that's one of the, the things that is a ideology within a lot of Antifa groups is no platform for fascists. And the alt-right, the online meme cult, has given neo-Nazis the platform to feel like, oh, it's socially acceptable to go out and into the street and yell about this stuff. Like, it's because of the alt-right that these neo-Nazis are able to come out so publicly out of the woodwork. Um, and part of the job of Antifa is to not give them that platform and not give them that chance to scream out to the world about, uh, rape or genocide against black people or anything like that. I, I, I do agree with you that, that, you know, you know, from a larger, you know, 30,000 foot view, I think Donald Trump has given voice and, uh, legitimized the alt-right by showing up on, you know, fucking websites, you know, in interviews with like Alex Jones and and um, not right away denouncing David Duke. And it has allowed, you know, because, you know, six months ago, the, the little Pepe the, the Frog meme or the, the avatar that was on so many Twitter profiles was accompanied by anonymous accounts. And now we're seeing that people are a lot more bold, a lot more brazen, a lot more confident about letting their name be known, letting who they are that, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm an executive with IBM. I'm just making this up, but I have a real respectable job and I, I believe in the tenets of the alt-right philosophy. So yeah, it is becoming more prominent. And I, I do think that something needs to be done to fight against it. Now, you know, admittedly, and on, I got to be honest, I don't know if the tactics that you guys use are, are what is what's needed but it's all part of the tapestry and 
this is where we are. So, but but let yeah, me ask, let me ask you this: Have has uh, the San Francisco or Berkeley Police Department or whatever municipality in which you were when you got punched? Have they reached out? Because I have heard he's charges have been filed or there's an investigation. Where is all that? I I have no idea. I they have not reached out to me. Um, I I have heard that the campus that he goes to, the university he goes to, that they have conducted an investigation. I've heard that he got kicked out. I'm not sure if that's true or not. Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure to what extent he's being investigated, um, but I'm pretty sure that he he probably is, seeing that he's on parole. Right. Um, he, he is a convicted felon for an armed robbery. He, he held up a cab... Um, and at, at, at gunpoint and thought that the guy was an Iraqi, the cab driver, yes, and tried yeah. to rob him. And I don't know if there was an assault that took place, but he was convicted and went to jail for that. Um, yes, he's yeah. a terrible fucking guy, this this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of important to note that he's he's not really an ex-Marine as much as he was dishonorably discharged from the Marines right. because of this, this felony that he committed. Um, so because of that, he... Has he has uh, violated um, his? Pro- I, th- I think it's probation. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Or um, so there's probably an investigation, but I don't know if there is going to be any actual action taken against him. Well, if there's no charge, then there's no violation of parole or probation. Mm-hmm. So there has to be. If I were you, listen. If you're taking legal advice from Jesse Dollimore. You might be in trouble. Be but, careful. <laughs> but I, I would encourage you to call that municipality and say, hey, what the fuck's going on? I got punched in the face. They might need you to actually go through and follow through on on filing charges because without a victim, without a statement, there's really no crime. Um, you might right. want to – because, look, this guy's a menace. He needs to be taken off the street. And for the, for the listeners out there and even for your knowledge, I'm a former Marine and – I know the listeners know that. Brittany's getting ready to... Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> um, it, getting a dishonorable discharge is a big fucking deal. I knew yeah. of people when I was in the Marine Corps who got dishonorably discharged. I didn't know them, but I knew of them. And it was like murder, rape, armed robbery. It was major things. You don't just smoke weed and get dishonorably discharged. Right. It's a major momentous crime that has to take place for that kind of a discharge to happen. So right. this guy's a, a piece of shit. And, you know, I'm gl- <laughs> by having a dishonorable discharge on his record, I don't know that we can really consider him a former Marine. He's he he forfeited that right. Right. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of the alt-right has been calling him. They're like, oh, we need to honor this this former Marine. I'm like, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> You're kind of lying to yourself there. <laughs> right, right. Well, listen, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we hope you're well. Is there anything? I know there's a GoFundMe or something going on. Um, what is that? Um, so basically the GoFundMe was started by an organization called uh, Democracy in Action. And um, what they do is they basically find co-op houses for... Um, people who are committed to the to the labor struggle, so like workers' rights activists and such, and they find co-op houses to to give to these activists, um, which is an amazing 
job to have. And I was really happy to donate a majority of the funds that I received from the GoFundMe to their organization. Um, so that that GoFundMe is still up and people are still able to donate, um, but it is going to be going to that uh, organization. And the other remainder of it was to cover my, my medical bills and um, any rest of the portion that I received um, is going to be going to my my anarchist collective that I'm a part of so that we can just continue to make zines and stickers and go to marches and all that fun stuff. Well, right on. Well, we, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll get that link from you. We'll put that in the show notes. So if anybody is interested, they can certainly contribute. Um, while I'm not sure whether I agree with you guys' tactics, I appreciate that you're active and uh, look, nobody needs any any violence uh, executed against them. That's that's not that's that's just not the way we should be doing things. So, and we're we, happy that you weren't badly wounded. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Getting punched in the face by a dude when you're not even a hundred pounds. Not not a good time. Not not a good time. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> so maybe he should be careful. Maybe he I, should not do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, going forward, he should be careful. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's half a man anyway. He's like five foot two. Right. All right now I'm getting... <laughs> Brittany hates it when I start getting pejorative and dick facious. So I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> calm it down. Anyway, Louise, thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, something else happens. We'd love to have you on talk about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Thank you for, for letting me talk. You have a good day. Be safe out there. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm. Uh, I think obviously the audience knows that I'm. I'm on the fence about this. I'm conflicted. That there are times where I think. You know, I, I I think that there should be some violence against these types, but I, I've more recently kind of come around to, if it makes them look like the sad sack. Like when, when Ann Coulter doesn't get to speak her bullshit, right? And she looks like the victim, mm-hmm. or when Richard Spencer, his event gets canceled, he cries, "Oh, I'm free speech, and I'm the victim." It, it's the the goal of of the the deplatforming, I think, ultimately backfires because it makes them look like the fascists, and Richard Spencer who is a, a fucking monster, him look like the victim. And that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. Well, it reminds me of an event that was in Orange County like a year ago. Of, uh, in Anaheim. Of Nazis uh, marching or whatever. And there were images that came out of that uh, with people laying in the streets, stabbed and bloodied. And yeah. I thought, oh my God, the Nazis stabbed people. Mm-hmm. And they were actually Nazis. Who that had, had been, been stabbed, stabbed and yeah. were laying in the street. And when I read through the comments, it wasn't a bunch of Nazis that were commenting. It was people that were saying, oh, my God, the Nazis got stabbed? Like, people went and attacked the Nazis. Like, they were shocked that yeah. that, that had happened. And instead, it almost created this, like, <laughs> people were having to be shocked by the Nazis yeah, feel, being stabbed and feeling, feeling bad for them. Yeah, I'm sure they felt conflicted about it, but they were kind of like, I don't know if this is yeah. right. And anything that contributes to 
that feeling yeah. is probably not good because otherwise we know that right. it's wrong. When, when we start feeling, when people, I don't feel sympathy, but when people start feeling sympathy right. for that radical white genocide sponsoring type of movement, not for the, the, the positions they hold, no, but f- feeling sympathy for, oh, well, you know, as bad as your views are, you shouldn't, you should have the right to, to march like any American. That's that's when I start like, oh, shit. Is is the violence, is the goal it's trying to attempt, is the end that it's trying to achieve being derailed by the means by which they're trying to achieve the end? It also gives the Nazis ammunition to be able to say, look at how they came and attacked us. They're the violent ones. Right, we We're sh- just trying to be here. And then make the same argument that she was making. Well, we should be prepared for violence when we go to these things and be ready for, for shit to hit the fan. Yeah. And it just seems to be kind of creating this balloon effect where it's just going to explode. And who it, knows what's going to happen in the next one. It I mean, is definitely a complex conversation. We would love to hear what you guys think. 657-464-7609. As always, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We really would like to move the conversation forward on this one. We'd love to hear what you think. We'll wait to hear from you. Listen, if you appreciate what we do here and the interviews we secure and the, the twice-weekly shows we do, we'd love for you to join our Patreon and PayPal family. You can do that at dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.